A few years back, my friend Justin Warner from Food Network moved out to South Dakota. He opened a ramen joint, and he is always posting pictures of all the great food he's not only cooking, but eating all over South Dakota. He's always telling me to come visit. And you know, one of the best ways to experience a new place is to eat your way through it. But it's equally important to live your way through it, too. And when you summer in South Dakota, you can fill up on all the lake days, hikes, rides, and small-town strolls that'll leave you with a regained sense of wonder and a hunger to do it all over again. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time at Travel South Dakota. I think TikTok is sort of the place that all the new food trends are happening. It's where anyone who wants to be an internet food personality is starting out. It's like the place where it feels like you have the biggest shot of being noticed in the food space online, especially when platforms like YouTube and Instagram feel so professionalized and sort of so saturated with people who have been doing this for a long time. TikTok still feels like there's like opportunity there. And I think we can agree that if you want to start off in the world of like food and food media, the last thing you'd want to do is start a podcast. Yeah, probably. This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. It's that time of year, you guys. I want to hear your New Year's food resolutions. Record a voice memo on your cell phone. Tell me your name. Tell me where you're from. That's important. And then answer this question. What food do you resolve to eat more of in the new year and why? Send me that voice memo at hello at sporkful.com and you can hear yourself in our big year-end episode. Okay, let's get into it. If you love food, which I'm guessing you do, then you probably spend some time every day looking at food on social media, right? Watching videos, liking, sharing. Occasionally, you may even be so moved by something you see that you actually cook it. And I've often wondered, why do certain recipe videos and food hacks go viral and so many others don't? There are people whose whole job is to try to answer this question to create viral content. And most of the time, they fail. It's really hard, which kind of makes me want to see if I could do it. Could I break down the most popular food videos into their component parts and reverse engineer something viral? And if I could, what would it tell us about the way we connect with food, about what appeals to us and what doesn't? Today, I'll attempt to answer those questions by trying to create my own viral food video. And not just any food video, I'm gonna make a TikTok. Why TikTok? Because as you heard at the start of the show, that's where all the new food trends are happening. It's the wild west of the food world where everyone has a shot at going viral. Now, I know almost nothing about it, but I don't want to fall behind. I don't want to be out of touch. I know if I'm going to do this, I need a guide. That person you heard at the start of the show is Bettina Makalental. She's an associate editor at Bon Appetit, and before that, she was a writer at Vice. She has her finger on the pulse of food culture. She's written about food in the suburbs, the finer points of Filipino food, and also food TikTok. I have had a TikTok account for a while, but I rarely look at it and I've never posted. As I tell Bettina, to me, when I first open it up, it feels like if you're in the right mood, it feels like you just walked into a party. At other times, I sort of feel like I'm under attack. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> like it's just so much being thr- hurled in my face. I'm like, whoa, take it easy here. Like, I'm just trying to get through the day, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. But like when you've watched enough TikTok that it sort of knows what you like, it does feel like that sort of like walking into a party thing, right? Where it's all this familiar stuff that you you see it and you're like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. And it just showed up just for me. 
So maybe you'll open TikTok and it'll show you a video of someone making nachos, then a dog jumping into a kiddie pool, then someone vacuuming their very dirty slippers, if you're into that sort of thing. Bettina started posting on TikTok back in February. She got hooked pretty quickly. I had like no followers on TikTok when I started um, and I posted my first video and like as of as we speak, it's at 54,000 views, which like I would say is pretty decent for someone who's doing it as a hobby. So like I think TikTok does kind of incentivize people like your first video. It's, it's kind of like gambling. Like it seems like TikTok wants a certain number of people to get like a deluge of positive feedback on one of their very early videos because you kind of get hooked on that adrenaline rush. Yeah, exactly. Bettina says the video she posted after that first one didn't do as well. Like with most apps, the TikTok algorithm is secret. So this idea that it gets you lots of views on your first video to get you hooked, it's just a theory. It is a popular one with people trying to hack the algorithm, but it's also been questioned by others. So since I've never posted on TikTok, I might have a better chance of going viral in my first ever post there. Now I should add, I am setting an important ground rule for myself here. I am not going to use my non-TikTok platforms to make this video go viral. You know, I got about 40,000 followers on Instagram and an even bigger audience that listens to this show. So sure, if I shared it through all my channels, I could probably get it a bunch of likes. But I want this to be a real experiment. I want to test my ability to reverse engineer virality. So I'm not using my platform to boost it. Well. Now I am, I guess. But spoiler alert, I already ran my experiment. I already made the video and posted it with no fanfare. So the results I'll present to you at the end of this show will be legit. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. I still have to figure out what works well on TikTok and what doesn't. I need to deconstruct other viral videos so I can construct my own. I asked Bettina to break down the different categories of hit food videos there. People just want to see food, I think, that they either feel like they can actually replicate or something that they could never replicate, you know? Like, I feel like it's sort of at the extremes where it's something I can do, which is the TikTok feta pasta, or it's like this potato that takes 15 hours, and I'm not going to actually do that, but I like to watch it. Of course you remember the TikTok feta pasta. You get a roasting pan, put in some cherry tomatoes, olive oil, salt, and pepper, and then a whole block of feta. You put it in the oven, and when the tomatoes are roasted and the feta is all melty, you add cooked pasta and mix it all up. Finnish food blogger Jenny Hauranen posted this on her blog in 2019, and it was popular in Finland, but not beyond. Then in January, people started posting videos of themselves making it on TikTok, and the recipe went viral worldwide. The hashtag feta pasta has more than a billion views on TikTok. For a few weeks, there was a feta shortage at grocery stores across America. So I definitely heard of that one. But what's this garlic 15-hour potato? Bettina and I each bring it up on our phones, and she walks me through it. So, like, right off the bat, you've got this, like, sense of something is a process, and you've got this little, like, crispy nugget here that looks really, like, appealing, right? So as soon as you click on it, you get this nice crunch. Just look at that golden deliciousness. So you start by roasting off that garlic in the oven for about half an hour, and then you're going to press it into a gooey, delicious paste. It's very oozy. The garlic is oozing out. Yeah, you get the garlic that's kind of, like, a sight to behold to see it, like, all squeezing out of the, the head. Then we've got this, like, quick process where the... The steps are pretty easy. Physically possible. Lavish in a load of smoked salt, smothering goose fat. Goose fat? She's got goose fat, potatoes, she's uh, the roasted garlic. The oven for three hours. Three hours. Weigh them down and refrigerate for 12 hours. Then slice it up any shape you fancy, deep fry it, and then the best bit is there a more beautiful potato 
Wow, that does look really good. Right? It's like this thing that you know you're probably not going to make at home because you don't want to do a 15-hour potato, right? But, like, it's nice to look at, and there's a process, and it sounds good. Show me something in the world of food hacks, not so much as pure entertainment, something people might actually do. Okay, so the salmon rice is this, like, leftovers video where this one sort of TikTok food influencer just, she makes leftover salmon, she puts it on top of rice, she microwaves it with an ice cube on top, um, and then she, like, mashes it up and eats it with a piece of seaweed. And so the hack is just her putting the ice cube onto the rice to help it steam when she microwaves it. So the ice doesn't melt when it comes out of the microwave. Um, So I think people are fascinated, one, by the hack, and two, by the fact that it's, like, this confusing thing. But, like, when I reheat leftover rice, I just sprinkle a little bit of hot water from the tap over the rice. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, and microwave it, and that, like, re-steams it. Isn't that better than ice? I mean, I think this is contentious. I think that, like, I've seen stuff that says, like, the ice is really helpful, and other people say, like, it's not actually that useful. So I think maybe it's just, like, the way that this creator, Emily Marco, like, did it. Um, And then it blew up. But yeah, if I were doing it, I would just do the water. But that doesn't look as good on a video, probably. So basically, there are two types of food videos, pure entertainment and practical. And really, this division isn't new. If you look at cookbooks from hundreds of years ago, there are ones with everyday recipes and tips and ones that tell you how to fill a pie crust with live birds. So when you slice open the pie, the birds all fly out to the delight of all the guests at your castle. For my video, I think I want to stick with something practical to put one of my many food opinions to good use. I think I'll share one of my favorite tips for making something more delicious. It seems to me that when these kinds of videos work, they're a little silly, a little out there, but it's a food hack people might actually do. It has to use basic ingredients in a surprising way. It has to elicit delight. Now that I know what kind of video I'm going to make, I need to think a little more about the nuts and bolts of it. I don't really know anything about TikTok. I'm more of an Instagram guy. But I have a sense that what works on Instagram may not work on TikTok. So I turned to Emily Contois, an assistant professor of media studies at the University of Tulsa. She focuses on the cultural forces that impact how we look at food. Right now, she's co-editing a book called Food Instagram, Identity, Influence, and Negotiation. And she agrees, Instagram and TikTok are very different. So on Instagram, that was this world of like beautiful images. Everything is sort of artfully curated. And then maybe there are these like strategic crumbs, this strategic messiness, but it's life far more beautiful, right? Than our sort of actual lives. Right, what's the word? Uh, uh, Sprezzatura, a studied carelessness. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Food Instagram was one of these spaces that really perfected that kind of an aesthetic style. And so I think TikTok was a part of maybe pushing back against some of that expected perfection of Instagram. Um, that it's much more real and purposefully amateur. So it seems I should abandon any pretense of professionalism and just go for the janky vibe that TikTok favors. Hopefully that means I can skip using my ring light. Professor Contois has also written about gender and food. So I ask how her research on that front might apply here. Is there also a difference in what type of food a person might be making? Where like, like if you're going to grill a big hunk of meat, you know, like you, and you want to go viral doing that, you might need to be a big burly guy. But if you're going to make like a pastry with pink flowers on it, people expect a woman. You know, I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying those are the 
society's expectations. I think your chances of going viral are to either stick to the conventions, right, of like what's expected, or to like totally blow them out of the water. So sometimes that big difference, right, of seeing a big guy who bakes these perfect little things at home, serves them to his daughters, right? Like you could see a context like that going viral because of the way it's pushing back against those conventions in a way that could seem funny to some people or could feel progressive to others. I like where this is going. What about like a like a three second break in the middle of the food video where it's just like a TikTok dance break and it's me and my daughter's dancing poorly. It depends how comfortable are you to exploit the cuteness of your children to attempt to oh, go viral. That, the boat has <laughs> sailed, Professor. <laughs> I mean, if you can't monetize your kids, why are you even having them in today's day and age? <laughs> So, so maybe there should be one break in the middle of like three seconds where I just go like TikTok dance and me and my daughters are dancing badly. And then another one could just be like cute dog. And it's like one second of my dog just turning her head when I say cute dog. But again, the more production value it has, it can go both ways on TikTok. It values the amateur. It's, it's different than these other media spaces where production value gets you points. Okay, I get it. Keep it lo-fi. Don't try too hard. As we wrap up, Professor Contois has a warning for me. I think what's really interesting in trying to crack, right, this question of what goes viral, what really captures people's attention, that there isn't as clear of a formula to that as we would like, right? If we'd really figured it out, everything that attempted to go viral would. There's still this wonderful degree of unexpectedness and inexplicability for why some things draw us in. I take the professor's point, but I still want to try to crack the code. I do think I have a good idea for a video, but can I make it go viral? Coming up, before I try to be a TikTok star, I get advice from a TikTok star. Stick around. Ooh, advertisements. Yummy. The weather's warming up. Have you nailed down your summer travel plans yet? I can tell you, we're working on ours and things are booking up, which is why you should be thinking about Norwegian Cruise Line. They have been raising the standards of cruising for more than 55 years. Let me tell you, when you cruise with NCL, you get award-winning specialty restaurants, immersive entertainment, and the most thrilling experiences at sea. Now, look, one of the great things about cruises in general is that you can visit and explore all kinds of different destinations, all with the ease of unpacking your bag just once. But Norwegian Cruise Line... They take cruising to another level and they take food to another level. With no set dining and entertainment times and no formal dress codes, you have the flexibility to design your ideal vacation. They have an incredible variety of truly authentic and fresh dining and bar experiences complemented by exceptional service. Listen to this. There are up to eight complimentary and nine specialty dining options per ship and up to 23 bar and lounge options. Come see why NCL's guest first philosophy means exceptional service and unforgettable memories. Book your next vacation at ncl.com. I enjoy a nice glass of wine, but I don't pretend to be an expert in wine. I usually just want a wine that's high quality, delicious, and not too expensive. And to me, that's Bogle Family Vineyards. And here's the thing about Bogle. This is a third-generation family-owned winery from California that makes exceptional wines for about 10 bucks a bottle. Bogle wines consistently earn best buy designations and high ratings from wine enthusiasts. And let me tell you something. The folks at Wine Enthusiast, they drink a lot of wine. They drink a lot of fancy, expensive wine. And yet they still keep giving great ratings to Bogle. 
And Bogle Vineyard says so many different kinds of wine, whatever your mood, whatever you're eating, there's a wine for you. They got this great Pinot Grigio that's crisp and fruity, goes well with spicy foods, with fish. They have a classic Chardonnay that's balanced, amazing with a pork tenderloin or butter chicken. I like to take that Chardonnay and do what Jacques Pepin taught me, a couple of ice cubes in your glass of Bogle. If Jacques Pepin says it's okay, then it's okay. And there's the Bogle Pinot Noir, refined and elegant with bright fruit and about as food-friendly as a red wine can be. You're not going to believe it's only $10. Neither will your friends if you tell them. So pick up a few bottles of Bogle wherever you buy your favorite wines. Please drink responsibly. At Boar's Head, delicious is in the details. And you see that in their incredible selection of hummus flavors. Boar's Head hummus is expertly crafted to achieve the perfect balance of creamy texture and refined taste. You can taste those chickpeas. You can taste the tahini. You can taste a little bit of acidity. It's got it all. I especially love their roasted red pepper hummus made with fire-roasted peppers. You can even taste a little bit of that char. It's perfectly dippable. It's perfectly spreadable. This is the kind of thing you always want to have on hand in your refrigerator. Dip, scoop, spread, or smear boar's head hummus to your heart's content. Hummus so extraordinary, it can only be boar's head. Compromise elsewhere. Famous Amos chocolate chip cookies are so iconic that I just say Famous Amos and it's like I can taste it. Each cookie is filled with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. And the word satisfying is very key there because some cookies are crunchy and brittle, and I don't like that. But Famous Amos has a deep, tooth-sinkable, satisfying crunch that I know and love. And Famous Amos classic bite-sized chocolate chip cookies are bringing back the original recipe that everyone knows and loves. One perfect bite, everything classic in a cookie. Find Famous Amos cookies anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Hey, if you want to give Cascatelli as a gift this year, you're almost out of time. As this episode drops, there may still be some limited edition gift boxes left with the recipe booklet and the dish towel. But even if those are sold out, there are still four packs of pasta available. My friend Jenny's mom, she gave a box to her friend Sharon. And Sharon liked it so much that she ordered 32 boxes for Christmas gifts. That could be you. But you have to get your order in this week if you want to get it for Christmas. So order now at Sfolini.com. That's S-F-O-G-L-I-N-I.com. All right, let's get back to it. Now I understand TikTok a little better from a critical standpoint. The next phase of my research is to talk to a certified food TikTok star. I'm Joanne Molinaro, also known as the Korean vegan. And also... Up until very recently, an attorney. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I'm still an attorney. Um, I I was up until recently a partner at a large law firm. Now I'm just an attorney at said law firm. So you sort of like took a little less responsibility. I took a lot less responsibility. In 2016, Joanne created a food blog, The Korean Vegan, where she'd make vegan recipes based on the traditional Korean meals she ate growing up. She also posted recipes as The Korean Vegan on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. She had a loyal following, but it was a hobby or a side hustle. Then last year, she got on TikTok. I started TikTok mostly just to watch other people do things. Like, I wanted to laugh. And, you know, because TikTok knew that I was a food blogger, because that's what that's what TikTok is so good at. It, like, knows you better than you know yourself in some ways. You know, it was throwing food content in my direction. And inevitably, I was inspired. Um, but I was also lazy. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to like make anything pretty. I'm going to throw my phone up against this wall, see what happens and, you know, post it. I thought like nobody would see it. Joanne shot a video of her making her Korean braised potatoes. She cuts up potatoes, Korean green chilies, red onion, and braises them in a pan with soy sauce, maple syrup and sesame oil. 
I didn't add anything really unique to it other than this is my kitchen and you can hear my husband yelling at his piano student in the background. That was really the only thing that made it different from everybody else's food TikTok. Joanne says she spent maybe five minutes cutting the video down and then she posted it. It was the second TikTok she had ever shared. All of a sudden, my watch, which is connected to my phone, starts blowing up. I'm like, whoa, what is happening? <laughs> you know, and I start getting all these notifications. Comment this, mention that, da 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 da. And I was like, well, what's, what is this? And I, you know, start seeing the views just racking up. I think within like 24 hours, it had like a million views, close to a million views. And it was a complete rush. I had never experienced anything like that in my life. Today, that video has nearly two million views. But Joanne's path to leaving her role in the law firm wasn't a straight line from there. The next video she dropped has 82,000 views. Great for an average person, but a far cry from her viral hit. I was curious to talk more with her about the ups and downs of a career in social media. I, you know, did this pasta project launch. I saw. Um, okay, so, you know, like I had like a limit on my Instagram time limit every day. And when we headed into that launch, I was like, I'm turning off the limits because I just have to be on social media a lot and sharing mm -hmm. and all that. And when the craziness started to die down, it was hard for me to get back down to the usage level that I was at before. I, it was like, you know, like Instagram had given me like the uncut shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was so intense. Yes. And how do I, I don't know how I get used to nor what's normal now. And I, I wonder if, you, if you, you worry about that at all, about sort of getting hooked on the likes. Of course I do. And I mean, imagine if you will, you came out with a second pasta, you know, and you put it out into the world with the same care and the same sort of hope and, and all of that. And uh, it totally tanks and nobody likes it. Then all of a sudden you're like, well, I just suck. I'm a failure. So... You know, I think about, oh, about four or five months in, right after I'd hit a million followers on TikTok, I experienced a little slump in my views. And yeah, I had to go see a therapist about it before I finally was able to be like, okay, I need to detach myself. Like my worth is not tied to these metrics. Oh, how, how did you get past that and, and back into doing it in a way that was positive? Well, I think that what my therapist really helped me to realize is you have no why for your TikTok. What is the purpose of your TikTok? What's the purpose of the Korean vegan? Like, why, why are you doing all of this? And I had to sit back and really craft. I actually literally wrote down like a mission statement for the Korean vegan. Joanne decided her mission was to connect with people struggling with issues like mental health, disordered eating, and family relationships. She started incorporating her personal life into her videos. Nowadays, she shows a video of her making a dish and shares part of her own story as she cooks like her video where she's making potato donuts. Undoubtedly, the single hardest day of my life was the day that I left the home that I had lived in with my ex-husband for many years. My entire family came to help me pack up and leave. My mom, my dad, my brother. Joanne makes it feel like you're in the kitchen with her, like she's cooking just for you. It's very compelling, but it's probably not the style I want for my video. I want to stick with something a little more fun and practical instead of super personal. I asked Joanne for general advice, tips I can use if I want to go viral like her. I think the first thing is a good hook. You need something that's going to grab at people, right? And so those first one to three seconds, that's your elevator pitch. Why should you not swipe up? You use your voice, you use your image, you use the video, you use the sound, whatever it is that you have at your disposal to make sure that 
one to three second pitch is as powerful and effective as possible. So how do you prevent that finger from swiping up? I've been making shows for a long time. I understand the importance of a good hook. But one to three seconds? It takes me one second to breathe in, to put oxygen in my lungs so that I can speak. Next, Joanne shares a tip about how to use TikTok's loop feature. You know, when you get to the end of a video, it seamlessly starts playing again from the beginning. She says a lot of TikTokers use that to their advantage. The more you can make it ambiguous where a video begins and where it ends, the likelier that people will accidentally watch it more than once. And those accidental more than once watches tell the algorithm, oh, lots of people are watching this video more than once, you know? So that's another, you know, Got kind of it. little oh, trick. interesting. To, yeah, to creating a, a TikTok video that could go viral. So ideally, you kind of want to begin and end on the same image. Exactly. Yeah. So some of the best, like my friend Dylan, DJ LeMay, he's the ice cream god on TikTok. He is legendary for his loops. Like you can't tell where it begins and ends. He finishes his videos in half sentences. Yeah. If you listen, it's hard to tell where the video ends and starts again. I've never made a waffle cone like this before. Normally I'm burning my fingers off and rolling them up in my hands. You've also never seen me use waffle dough, but you've only seen me use waffle batter. I'm surprised they turned out really good. I know I've made hundreds of thousands of waffles in my lifetime, but I've never made a waffle cone like this before. Normally I'm burning my fingers off. Ends, and so you end up watching his 17 second video like 30 times by accident. You know? That's so interesting. Joanne and I keep talking, and I float the idea of the dance break with my kids. She thinks I should skip it. Could come across like I'm trying too hard, which I'm learning is basically the worst thing you can do on TikTok. People there want authenticity, or at least a credible performance of it. it. Seems like TikTok stars put a lot of effort into making it look like they don't put a lot of effort into it. Maybe they aren't as different from Instagrammers as they like to think. Anyway, clearly, I need to be authentic. But there's a problem. My authentic self is old, at least by TikTok standards. I worry I won't fit in with this crowd. Then again, Joanne's in her 40s too. Just because you're older doesn't mean that young people can't appreciate what it is that you have to offer or that people can't find value in it. I kind of figured that out pretty quickly because there are a lot of young people. Why not embrace my age? And so I created this sort of auntie persona um, and a lot of these auntie videos where I'm giving advice to, in my head, my nephew when he's 13, 14, 16, 20 years old. These are the things that I would tell him. And that's the demographic that these auntie videos have really been hitting. You're not trying to come on TikTok and being like, what's up, young people? I'm just like you. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I could try that and it probably would go viral but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I've learned more about TikTok and what I think my approach should be, I've been moving closer to an idea for my video. Finally, after getting all of Joanne's advice, I think I know what I want to do. So the concept that I'm working with Joanne is that I have a kind of novel way to eat a slice of pie. Oh, I like where this is going. <laughs> so what I like to do, take a slice of pie, let's say a pecan pie, big scoop of vanilla ice cream, chop them all up with a spoon and stir them together so that the ice cream is like 50% melted. And the pie is cut up into chunks. And each mm. piece of pie is coated in ice cream. Evenly coated. Yes, but but you want different sized chunks of pie. You want different, like you don't want everybody to be the same. And you still want some mm. ice cream. Mm -hmm. Then you throw on there a shot of bourbon. Oh. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you? No. <laughs> Mix it up a little more. And then sprinkle on top some flaky 
salt. That sounds amazing. And it's just like you get you get crunchy and a little salty in the liquor and the creaminess of the ice cream. It's just like it's so so good. But I I, I grant you that it's a little bit weird. I don't think it's, I mean, I think it's weird, but in, in like the good way, I could see that going viral. Like just like Nature Cereal or any of these other weird- Nature like, Cereal, kind of what was that one? Oh my gosh. So the Nature <laughs> Cereal was literally like, just take like frozen fruit, like frozen raspberries and strawberries and blackberries and blueberries, put them in a bowl and then just add coconut water to it. It took TikTok by storm. And that's what you want. And so like people could take your sort of idea and then do it with apple pie, do it with cherry pie, right. you know, and like create sort of duets with you, stitches with you. And that's how you create a food TikTok trend. I could easily see you doing that. But I think the important thing again is like, it needs to be from you. What exactly is the problem that my food hack is solving? For me, when I eat pie, I, I'm always like, fussing with it because I don't get the right proportion of ice cream to pie. That's right, right. You the know? ratios. Yeah. It's very hard to manage the ratios. And that's like, it sounds like a silly problem. No. And that's okay. It, this like, is a safe TikTok, space, Joanne. Like, <laughs> that is not a silly problem. <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> See, like this whole thing is what is like a TikTok video. Okay. Like this is a safe space. Like like it literally, like that's that's what they love. I mean, that's what will be funny and what will reach people. The idea that you have is great, but I would caution you, don't overthink it. If you overthink it, they'll know you overthought it. That's the thing. I think it might be a little late for that. I mean, we've already devoted a whole podcast episode to the process of thinking about it. Still, when it comes time to shoot my TikTok, I try to keep Joanne's parting advice in mind. Now, I'm going in. Equipped with an iPhone and a phony birth certificate that says I was born in 1998, your intrepid reporter prepares to shoot his first ever TikTok. Or is it just a talk? A tick? That doesn't sound right. I head to my kitchen. Before I start shooting, I feel like I should test my recipe. I haven't actually done this thing with the bourbon and the pie for a while. Okay, I have a slice of pie and a scoop of ice cream in a bowl, bottle of bourbon, right here. I have a shot glass. Maybe we should just start with, try half a shot and see how that goes. I'm gonna mix up the ice cream first, just mix it up. Ice cream and pie, mixing together, chopping it. I'm gonna pour in this half a shot of bourbon on top of my mixed up pie and ice cream. <laughs> that looks like a lot of bourbon. But let me try a bite. Mmm, oh, 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 mm. That was too much bourbon. <laughs> yeah, a teaspoon of bourbon, that's what we need here. A teaspoon is much better. I'm ready to record my TikTok when Janie comes home from running errands. Sorry, I'm taking over the kitchen table, which is your office. Okay. Janie and I have been together long enough that she doesn't even ask why I have a half gallon of ice cream, a whole pie, and a bottle of bourbon out in the middle of the afternoon. But I tell her anyway. I'm becoming a, a TikTok star. Oh, are you, do you have to sing for that? <laughs> or dance? What, what does that mean? <laughs> There's a lot of food TikTok stuff out there, too. So wait, what are you making? A slice of pie with vanilla ice cream and a little bourbon on top. Are you sure you want to use this bowl? Well, I need to be able to mix stuff up inside it, but I also want it to have low walls so that you can see the cross-section of the pie. See, don't you wish we kept those yellow bowls that you returned? These bowls are beautiful. Janie helps me with the first shot I want, which is a scoop of ice cream falling onto the slice of pie. All right, three, two, one, drop it. 
Whoa. <laughs> I think we got our first shot. Thank you. I bet Jake Cohen doesn't take this long. <laughs> With that, Janie walks away. This is not her top priority today. I finish shooting the video, and then it's time to record voiceover. And since I'm a podcast host, I figure this should be easy. Tap or long press to record. The perfect way to eat a slice of pie. No, hang on. That's my intro. So the end of the video should end with me saying like, and I just showed you, and it will loop back to the beginning, the perfect way to eat a slice of pie. Oh man, this is some art right here. Chop it up. Chop it up some more. Add a teaspoon. Ah, messed it up. Uh, all right, this can't possibly be the way that TikTok actually works. Mmm, so melty, so crunchy. But we're not finished yet. Add a teaspoon of bourbon. Uh, let's try this again. Voice over. Take two. The most amazing way to eat a slice of pie. Oh my god, I think I lost like the last five things I shot. So crunchy, so melty. But we're not finished yet. Uh, this is so annoying. So just forget about it. No, we made a whole episode based on me trying to make this dumb video. I can't get anything on TikTok to work right. Maybe that's the end of the story. Dan couldn't figure out TikTok. <sighs> All right, this is my last piece of pie and the last ice cream, and I better know this shot or I'm going to be screwed. Here we go. And you just learned... The most amazing way to eat a piece of... Oh, yes, the loop works. Oh, my God. I don't think I have it in me to be a TikTok star. Now that it's done, though, that was kind of fun. A half gallon of ice cream, 90% of a pecan pie, several shots of bourbon, and six dirty dishes later, my video is done. Well, till a few days later when I reshoot a couple things and make a few tweaks. Yep, definitely taking Joanne's advice and not overthinking it. I decide I'll post my video the Sunday night before Thanksgiving, because, you know, people have pie on the brain around that time. But before I do, I set a benchmark. If the video gets 100,000 views in the first 24 hours, I will consider it viral. That's a lot more than I've ever gotten on anything on Instagram. If I get a million views in 24 hours, that's like super viral. I post the video. I don't share it to any of my other channels. This is the moment of truth. Will my TikTok go viral? Will I have to quit my day job as a podcast host and my side hustle as a pasta maker and move into the hype house? Which is, I think real place all right my tiktok has been up for 15 minutes and so far i have <laughs> one view <laughs> who viewed it i don't know as i tell my daughter becky at this pace in 24 hours i'll have 96 views not exactly what i was hoping for i'm kind of nervous and there are really no stakes whatsoever but like what could go wrong, though? I mean, the worst thing that could happen is you don't get as many views as you hope for. And maybe you'll get more views tomorrow. Becky's right. And I do get some more views the next day. 24 hours after posting, I call up Bon Appetit editor Bettina Mukalintal, who I talked to earlier in my journey. She's seen my video. So, Bettina, it's now been 24 hours since I posted my first ever TikTok. And as of this moment, it has 609 views which I think we can safely say is not viral. I, <laughs> as of this moment, it is not viral. <laughs> the thing that we prefaced our conversation with the other time was that like, I feel like you can never guarantee virality online. You know, I think it was, I think it's like a valiant effort. Where did I go wrong? 
I think the one thing I would do would be like the very first shot is like you holding up the uh, bowl plate and bringing it up to the camera. And then it goes into the shot of the ice cream going onto the pie. I probably would have done the like ice cream going onto the pie as the first shot. Really? I think at first glance, it's like a little hard to tell what's happening. That, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? It, it, so the, the very first shot is the finished product and it's very melty. And I guess since I know what it is, it looks amazingly delicious to me. But if you, if, with no context whatsoever, it kind of looks like a bowl of slop. It doesn't look like pie immediately. It's, it's, a, it's a little too much to parse. Yeah, I do think like the second shot is really good though. Like that like perfect little like, melty scoop of ice cream going onto the pie. Like, that looks good to me. Oh, uh, man. Man, you know, for, for the longest time, the video was gonna was starting with the the shot of the scoop of ice cream going on the on the pie, and then I thought, no, wait, it looks so good to me at the end, and it tastes so good, and, like, <laughs> I, I should, I, you know, a lot of videos, like, you know, they start with the finished product to show you, and then they go backwards to kind of, like, hook you with the delicious shot. But I guess my shot of deliciousness was kind of, like, too visually confusing. You know what I did, Bettina? I overthought it. I feel like I always realize as soon as I've hit like post on a video, like something I would have changed, but you know, it's always that thing about hindsight. Right after my video posted, when I saw it wasn't getting many views, I was disappointed. But very quickly, I was like, whatever, I have other things to worry about. Then I talked to Bettina and she made it seem like I was so close. And I don't get to redo it. You know, all the social media apps, they know when you're posting something similar to a previous post. If it bombs the first time, there's not much you can do to change the algorithm's mind. Just one bad decision about the first three seconds was all it took to relegate it to TikTok obscurity. It's like I was playing blackjack and I needed a nine and I got a 10. And when you get that close to winning, it's hard to resist coming back for more. But this may not be my last talk. Tick? Whatever. If you're curious to see my TikTok, you can find me there right now at The Sporkful. Or check me out on Instagram. Now that the experiment's over, I did share my pie video there. On Instagram, I'm also at The Sporkful. Special thanks to Bettina Muckalental, associate editor at Bon Appetit. She's on TikTok at Bettina Mac. That's Bettina M-A-K. We also heard from Professor Emily Contois. Her new book, Food Instagram, is out next year. And Joanne Lee Molinaro just released a cookbook called The Korean Vegan. You can also find her on TikTok at The Korean Vegan. Quick reminder, send us your New Year's food resolutions. Record a voice memo with your name and tell me what food you resolve to eat more of in the new year and why. Send it to me at hello at sporkful.com. Thanks. This show is produced by me, along with senior producer Emma Morgenstern and producer Andres O'Hara. Our editor is Tracy Samuelson. The show is mixed by Jared O'Connell. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Peter Clowney and Daisy Rosario. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And I'm Alice in Ottawa, Ontario, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. <laughs>